Hey guys, this is Georgia with Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens with Jamie and Bree. You're listening to That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens. I'm Jamie. I'm Bree, and we're two sides of the coin. Hey, Space Family, welcome back to another episode. Bree. Jamie. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Good. It's been a week since we recorded. We went up to Fremont Peak to go night watch. Which I'm glad that no one actually met us up there, even though we invited many of you because we're like, come to the Garlic Festival. Come meet us and do some sky watching. And I'm sure everyone knows that there was a horrible shooting that happened. So I'm actually glad that no one made the trip. It's unfortunate. Yeah, um, there's a lot of people who reached out to us who know that we live in, like, the Bay Area, and they asked, they're like, oh, my God, you guys aren't in Gilroy, are you? And I was like, oh, my God, yeah, we work in Gilroy, but luckily we were nowhere near Gilroy on Sunday. Yeah, I'm very thankful. But it's weird, of course, that something happened so close to home. I mean, I'm moving to Gilroy this month, and it's just a reminder that you never really know when something's going to happen, that it could be anyone at any time. Yeah, this is definitely a very interesting case. I think we look at a lot of these mass shootings and stuff and they kind of follow a pattern and this one definitely breaks that mold and kind of seems so senseless and crazy to me. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to try to jump on the conspiracy wagon and all these things, but I think there was just a troubled person who took out his frustration and anger in a way that shouldn't have been taken out. And uh, all we can do is move forward and try to all better ourselves. That's a good point. Just try to all better ourselves. The only thing I kept thinking after that was that just means that we all need to support each other better. I 100% agree with that. I know there's a big, a lot of people will not agree with this, but I feel like it shouldn't be a case against gun control. It should be a case against supporting each other. And I feel like people don't make those decisions unless they felt unsupported, unless they felt unloved, or, Mm -hmm. you know, it could be some type of mental situation, which I also think needs to be taken seriously as well. And I just hope that it can bring people together and really just pay attention to the people around you and not just blow them off or think that they're being dramatic sometimes. And hopefully we can all work on not just ourselves, but on helping other people as well. Absolutely. You know, make yourself better and make the people around you better, you know, work on that. And we're lucky that we live in a time right now where like mental health awareness is very much so in the news media. And it's something that I think our country and the world in general is taking more seriously. And so let's just keep pushing that forward and let's make sure that we keep making that a priority and that we take care of each other. Because at the end of the day, all we have is each other as the human race, you know? Absolutely. It reminds me a lot of an episode that we recorded. I believe it was... This is why aliens don't come over for dinner. Exactly. Because there was that shooting that happened. And I think both of us both felt like, sure, it could have gone conspiracy route or it could be a whole bunch of other things going on. And if we don't work on ourselves and if we're not helping other people, then we're not progressing as a planet and we're not seeing each other as one species on one planet as a whole. We need to be there together to fill in all the pieces And I do believe that that is one of the reasons why we don't have open contact on a giant scale is because we're just not ready for it yet. We're tearing each other apart. How are we supposed to mingle with other planets, other civilizations? It's very true. You know, I feel like we have this sort of like our our whole planet is in this kind of 
funk, you know? Mm -hmm. Even though me and Brie get really excited talking about all the disclosure and stuff that's happening, you also have to remember that our, our planet as a whole is kind of hurting right now. And, you know, whether it be, you know, people's mental states, where we are politically, or, you know, literally you can pick any, any, you can pick anything out of the air and use that as the excuse of why our planet is just like hurting right now. And so I just think it's important that we focus on the positive and just make things better, everyone. A lot of people say the millennial generation is like so messed up and this and that, and they're entitled. And I kind of see it differently. I don't necessarily see myself as a millennial, even though I am. And I feel like the millennial generation is one of the most open generations and most accepting generations that we've had so far. So I'm excited that we're going in that direction. But, you know, we always have bad seeds everywhere. That's just life. There's always good and bad. I think, like, a lot of people ask us, like, well, are aliens good good or bad? And it's like, well, I'm assuming they're both. Just like how here on Earth, you know, we have lots of different species. We have good people. We have bad people. We have medium people. It's just what life is. We can't all lump everything together, I think, sometimes. Absolutely. And sometimes good people can be bad at certain times. That's just the duality of life in general. And I try to believe that things are breaking apart to be made anew. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that you can't have, you know, triumphant like victory without horrible tragedy at the end of the day. And that just is repeated in history over and over and over again. I think that sometimes you have to understand the bad and, you know, sacrifice and the horrible in order to really appreciate the good times. That's a great analogy. I was going to say, that's a great conscious quote, even though it's the beginning. So. <laughs> Today's conscious quote was brought to you by Jamie in Hey-o. the beginning of the episode. All right, Bree, let's get into our episode this week. What are we talking about? Well, when you did a little poll on Instagram, if people were going to meet us there, and instead people were just sending you messages, and one of them was, does this whole CE5 thing really work? And I thought that would be a great opportunity to even bring up what all the different CEs stand for. You know, Mm -hmm. we all know this close encounter thing. I think it would be great to run through that and then also just explain more of what the whole CE5 thing is, its whole purpose. And I think it could connect to what we just mentioned here in the episode about kind of bringing everyone together and being peaceful and intergalactic. Absolutely. So why don't we start off by what is a CE? So it stands for close encounter. I think we all know like, oh, close encounters. I think close encounters of the third kind is probably more notable because of the movie. And I think, the fourth kind is my favorite oh, of movie. of course. And then after that was the fourth kind, and that just brought a whole blanket of fear over the third kind. Mm-hmm, exactly. So this whole scale really started from J. Allen Hynek. We all know the famous astronomer professor turned ufologist after working with the United States Navy to work on different projects investigating UFOs. Specifically Project Blue Book. Project Sign, Project Grudge, and then Project Blue Book. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people don't realize that he was part of Project Grudge and Project Sign, and when people hear his name, they immediately think Project Blue Book. Right, especially after the TV show, I'm sure. So he has a history, and he really wasn't a believer and turned a believer and came out saying, basically, Project Blue Book was all meant to just sign off paperwork. This is a real study, and it's being washed over. And I think that was really cool. After he was involved in those programs, he kind of did his own investigations, and he wrote his own books. In the process of doing so, he created this close encounter scale. And I think it's just meant to help other investigators categorize the different types of encounters that they've had. 
It starts with the close encounter of the first kind. That is when you observe a craft, a UFO, a saucer, whatever, within 500 feet. So mildly (laughs) far away. Right? But then at the same time, if you're 501 feet away, then you don't even make the scale. That goes into our whole thing that we were talking about, and I don't remember which episode it was, where we were talking about how all of these people, and they always say a distance. And it's like, but how do you know what the distance is? Like, that's so hard to gauge, because I think of like 500 feet, and I'm like, okay, it's like the distance of a restraining order. So like what like 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 across the street from like a two lane road, you know what I mean? Yeah, because if it's that close, then that's pretty close. You know what I mean? That's a pretty close close encounter. It is, and I think it's meant to close off other people that think that they've seen something. But if you're that far of a distance, they can say, "Well, you weren't close enough to really get a good eye on it." So maybe that's the difference between spotting maybe like a, a UAP in the sky that might possibly be an airplane or a satellite mm-hmm. or something that's way too close for comfort that you're like, wait a second, there's no way something could be flying here. Yes, which is very interesting observation to touch on because I know we've both seen things that we know are weird as hell, but for sure farther than 500 feet. So it's like, man, it doesn't even count as a close encounter. But then I think about, then I think about the stuff that we've seen that's been within that 500 feet. And that's some shit where like, Specifically, I remember a moment, and I remember you grabbing me with both of your hands on my shoulders. I can, I can feel it still, and digging your nails into me, and both of us were just dead fucking silent, staring at something. And it's like that's so much of a different feeling than when we see something from farther away. Mm-hmm. That we're like, oh my god, it's like you know, oh, it's a, it's a blinker, it's a, it's, you right, know, it's right. taken off or whatever. It's different when it's right in front of you and you can't move. You're, it's not that you can't move. You don't want to move because you're afraid that no matter what you do, you blink, you breathe exactly too hard, blink. it's going to be gone. And it usually is. And it usually is. That's exactly why we always say we don't even bother picking up a phone, even though that's what everyone wants to ask us. But when you're in the moment and you see that, your mind tells you, at least for me, don't even worry about your phone. Soak in the moment because if you even look down, it's gone. Well, and I think that's very indicative, too, of J. Allen Hynek's story, you know. I'm sure people brought him all sorts of evidence, but I think what it was is all of these years investigating it himself and seeing it with his eyes is what turned him into a believer. And, you know, I get a lot of people, I'm sure you get a lot of people, especially on Reddit, are like, well, do you have any proof? Do you have any Mm -hmm. evidence? And every single time, my answer is always the same. There is no such thing as evidence when it comes to this field, unfortunately. No matter what picture, no matter what kind of video, no matter what you have, somebody will be like, oh, that's faked. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's Photoshopped. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. The only evidence that I think is 100% valid is personal experiences. And if you don't have it, I don't know. I don't know how else to change your mind. That's very true. You can't. You can't. And I don't think it's my job to change somebody's mind, you know? I think that there's a lot of people in this field who are out there trying to change minds. And it's like, why? What's the point? Unless you see it with your own eye, you're never going to understand it. I can give you a million books. I can give you a million documents to read. I can have a million eyewitnesses tell you their story. And somebody out there, not just somebody, a handful of people out there will be like, "Mm, nope, they were lying. Nope, that document's fake. Nope, that video doesn't work. So hands down, and it'll be the tagline of our podcast for the rest of our lives, there is no evidence. It's only personal experiences. A lot of our personal experiences might not count for this close encounter of the first kind. Mm -hmm. Close encounter of the second kind is when there's any type of physical evidence left behind. That could be burn marks on the ground, radiation that's detected, if something was picked up on radar, if you have a scoop in your hand or you have burn marks on your arm, 
you see that UFO within 500 feet, but then when you stick your head out, you get burns on your skin that would bump you up to close encounters of the second kind. Okay. Which for me, I feel like that's should maybe be higher. I don't know. I think that that's really significant. If yeah, you I, have, I would I would think that the different versions of physical evidence should be their own scale within right. itself because you have something like crop circles or burn marks or what was that one guy's name? Paul, whatever. Oh, the one who like went to jail. He ended up in jail for like pedophilia. <laughs> you know what I mean? What's his name? Oh my God, I'm blanking. I know, me too. It's Paul something. And he had a whole... Very sketchy story. Yes, yeah, super. I don't... But I'm not one of the things he had that I thought was very interesting about his story is after the UFO had this flash of light, there was like a physical light mark on the side of his home. The shingles of his home were like part of it was a different color. So they have something like that. But then and I think you get something like scoop marks or scratches or like maybe a, uh, you think you have some type of chip, you feel a bump or something. Those are very different kinds of evidence to me, I feel like. I do as well sticking your head out and getting some burn marks or even just seeing that something was detected on radar, that doesn't mean that you were face-to-face very close to an actual ET itself. Yeah. But anyways, that's what close encounter of the second kind is. Close encounter of the third kind is when you see the occupants in the craft. That could be any type of organism, whether they're piloting the craft or they're inside. I believe the words in his book said creatures. So, I mean, even if there were, like, cows in there, you're like, okay, this is a close encounter of the third kind because I can see the occupants inside the craft. So, I have a question about this, and I don't know if you can answer it for me, but let's throw it out there. I'm standing out in a field. I see a UFO. I see a green alien driving it, right? (laughs) So, that's close encounters of the third kind. But I know a lot of people, you yourself included, have had third encounters like that, but maybe like in dream time or mm-hmm. with meditating. Would those kind of encounters be included in that CE3? So what's really trippy that you said that is, oh God, I can't remember his name. I want to say that it ends with Rupelt, the other investigator with Jay Allen Hynek. Rupelt. There you go. He suggested that that should be included, that dream time experience like that should be included in that Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So that wasn't in J. Allen Hynek's scale, but later he proposed the idea that that should definitely be included. Now, my next question is, is like, does it have to be like a UFO and you see the person, person, if you see a UFO and then you see the alien inside it, it has to be those two things? Or what if you just see an alien? Yeah, that's what I mean. So I feel like sometimes with his scale, there's so many gray areas because there's so many different things. Because what if you don't see the craft? Because the millennials come in and they pick it apart. Exactly. <laughs> but like, what if you don't see the craft and you're like, you know, in a swamp somewhere, there's, you know, swamp gas and you see like a weird <laughs> orb and you're like, I don't know what that is. But then all of a sudden, some like big, tall, white being comes thrown through the forest. Well, you didn't necessarily know if you saw a craft or not, but you know sure as shit that there's a weird alien in front of you. I'm going to say that that counts. Okay. And so those were his three things. Close Encounter 1, 2, and 3. So where do we get this 4 and 5 from? So later, other ufologists started adding their own numbers to the scale. I know after 1, 2, and 3, there was a few other people that tried to add certain little subsets to it, but they were just so... To me, it's just like it's too much. That's for the definite nuts and bolts people that want to separate. Like, oh, it was this in this location. It was that in that location. Like, stuff like that, that just doesn't matter. Well, I think what's hard is when it comes to ufology, people like to try to put things inside a box. Too many boxes. I know I've done that before, especially early on. And we had an episode where how do you spot a UFO? 
And I wanted me and you to write down, like, what is our procedures? And you're like, no, it's different every time. And I'm like, no, just, you know, generally there's like an idea. And you're like, no. So I've been guilty of that as well, of trying to put things into boxes. It is an older, I mean, that was a while ago. So you obviously can see how it's progressed. Absolutely. Next is your favorite close encounters of the fourth kind. And that is a alien abduction. Which, let me just say, like I've said a million times before, greatest movie ever, ever done, ever, 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 and ever, ever. And scariest. God, and you know what? And the thing is, is like, it was scary. That haunted me for like weeks afterwards. Oh, sure. Brie used to be afraid of owls. I don't know if you are too much Not anymore. Not anymore, but yeah. But for a while, I immediately had the opposite reaction of you. I immediately went out and got an owl tattoo. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. And this was before I was really deep into the whole alien research stuff, you know? But the something resonated with me. And I remember not being able to sleep at night if I faced my window because I was terrified that an owl was going to look through it. Yeah. But it it terrified me in an exciting way, a way that I wanted to research it. You know what I mean? I thought for me personally, it was a good scare because it made me want to know more. Oh, yeah. No, I was the opposite. I was absolutely traumatized. I couldn't drive home from the movie theater. <laughs> I didn't leave my house for a few days. When I did finally leave my house, I was scanning the skies. I realized that I was being absolutely paranoid. Paranoid. But... Looking back, I see that I did go through phases of that in my life where I was absolutely paranoid, like paranoid to sleep, paranoid to be in the dark, just weird things like that. Yeah. But that definitely was a moment where it spiked that fear. And it's actually very disappointing to hear that that movie was fake because they did such a good job convincing you that it was real. I mean, I was so convinced and it was probably weeks after until I realized that it wasn't real. And then I was so disappointed because I was like, we're on to something, guys. Like, this is it. We're, we're it figuring it out. Yeah. And it's funny that you have that opposite reaction because, per usual, two sides of the coin. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel that way anymore. I bought the movie and I've watched it a few times since, trying to watch it with other family members. I know it freaked the shit out of my mom, too, for sure. I think she's still afraid of it. Do you think that you're no longer afraid of it, though, because part of the reason is that you know that it's not real anymore? Or do you think that it's just because you've grown and so you look at all these situations differently? I'm going to say that... Little of both? Not necessarily. Uh, I think I'm not afraid of it because I don't think it would be that negative. I don't Mm. have that negative feel or spin on the situation anymore. Got you. Which I think is indicative of a lot of people who, when they first have encounters with aliens and stuff or have an abduction, this uh, close encounter of the fourth kind, the first thing they feel is fear. You know, Absolutely. and we've heard that from lots of people we've talked to, even people we've had on here. But then slowly over time, that fear turns into like a comfort almost. And it's interesting because I feel like it can go two ways. Either it's we learn to realize that it's not fear and that they're here to help us. Or is it maybe a little bit of Stockholm syndrome? You know, it could definitely be both. Yeah, I think I got over it because I did not have an experience like a lot of people do. I don't have any memories. I still feel like there was no actual physical abduction taking place where I went somewhere. I feel like I didn't go through enough of that trauma to be that afraid, where other people are that afraid because they remember laying down in an ice cold bed. They remember feeling like their body is in pain or like they've been drilled through their stomach or there's like babies being ripped out of them. You know, those kind of very intense details. I don't have, so I don't feel that horrible about it because I haven't been in that position. Now, speaking of that, would you prefer to stay not knowing some of these memories or is it something that interests you to dig into those to try to figure that kind of stuff out? 
I don't know. Me you know too. what's interesting? You've asked me that on I another have. episode a long, long time yeah. ago, and I took a really long pause, I remember, and mm-hmm. I left it in there because I really just didn't know. You still don't know now? I still don't know. I think I'm comfortable. <laughs> See, the thing is, is I go back and forth with it because me personally, I have very, very small flashes of memories of things that don't make any sense to me. But the longer and longer I go on, it's not that I get more memories or I see the bigger picture, but the more and more I talk to people, the more and more I realize this is probably what happened. But then, see, that is complicating because you have to do it then because you could just be linking your experiences to other Other people. Other people's, exactly. So I just, I, I don't know. I think that I would be interested in figuring it out, but I'm also at the same time terrified of what I do find out. And it, is that going to change? Because right now, I think that especially right now, me and you, we're in such a good place, you know? Yeah. Especially with the whole alien phenomenon and all these kind of things. Like, we're so happy and we're confident about it. I don't know if I'd want to do something to jeopardize that. And I'm not sure if that would make it better or worse. I agree. I feel like I'm in a happy place with it. I haven't been scared or paranoid to go to sleep. Not in a long time. I haven't had any very bad nightmares about it in a very long time. I would hate to reverse it. Yeah. At the same time, is that really being smart or is that avoiding something that you should see? I don't know. But I think if I was confronted with a situation again where it was like in front of me, like, hey, you should look at this, then I would maybe take the steps. But as of now, I feel like I'm not being pushed in that direction. So I will just kind of go with the flow. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to take the coward's way out. And I (laughs) am I going to say, what I'm going to say is, I don't want to be the one to choose that. Whether the higher powers of the universe that be put those in front of me and put me down that path is up to them. But I don't know if I can go out and seek it on my own. I respect that. Everyone has their own process with this. I think we get asked a lot to this day, are you guys ever going to share your stories? And I think it would take a very long time for us to both sit down and go to memories that we can remember, you know, from a very early age because they're just like bits and pieces Mm -hmm. and fragments and then things you remember as time goes by. Yep. I think that we have mentioned kind of the key things that have happened here. Oh, yeah. We've definitely told the stories that we can tell. I'll I'll say it that way. I will say, though, even, I mean, even Raya, for instance, she's listened to our episodes over and over again. And even when I saw her in L.A., June, Mm -hmm. she even asked me, are you guys ever really going to share your stories? Because I've listened to it over and over again. And it's not that we don't want to it's just I don't I don't know how to put into a story all of these fragments of memories you know right. what I mean so I think they're almost like this is a quick story a quick memory like this I, is a- yeah like I know I think we've both talked about the story that happened to us both around the same time you know when I lived in Oakland and when you were in the car we've talked about that story you know and we can talk about that because we remember it we remember physically being there but I think a lot of the other experiences that happened to us it's just for lack of a better term we don't know how to explain it Me and you have talked about some of those instances before with each other. But when we talk about it, I don't know if you noticed, but we're very nonverbal. And sometimes we just know what we're talking about. You know Mm, what I mean? Like, I don't have to exactly explain a situation. I can say like one key word and you're like, nope, I already know. So it's hard to relay that to other people who maybe don't have the connection that me and you have, where we're we're so easily and we know each other so well that, like, we know. So that also makes it difficult for us because it's like, I don't know exactly how to bring this up or how to say it to, to anybody because I can just say to you, like, you know, a random word and you're like, mm, I already know. Got you. You know? Yeah. When she asked me, we were in the car driving with the Uber and it was taking forever. So I just started telling her like from the very beginning and then I realized I probably could sit down and start from the very beginning because there's a lot of detail. There's a lot of stuff that happened in the journey. I think it would just take a very long time to get it all out. That's the difficult part. 
So maybe in the future, maybe like bits and pieces, maybe I don't know, but I'm just going to address that, that we have been asked that and we have just said things here. You know what? We're going to save it for Coast to Coast AM when one day (laughs) we are big enough to be interviewed by them. Or maybe Jimmy Church, and uh, maybe it's maybe what it is is we need someone else asking us questions to get it out of us. You know what I mean? I don't know. I was in a zone when she asked me, and then I just started going. No, exactly. That's what I mean. You're in a zone. I was just like very detailed, starting with like thing after thing after thing. So the whole abduction phenomena is very layered, multifaceted. There's a lot of key parts to it that you can't explain, and that close encounter of the fourth kind is just huge. And And I don't think it can be. And everybody's is different. Everybody's is different. There is no checklist when it comes to abductions. Some people physically get abducted. They remember like a green beam coming down and taking them up, or they remember gray aliens picking them up out of their bed, or some people remember it being they were in a meditative state and they, you know, met their twin flame or something, or, you know, people are sleeping and they, you know, something comes into their dreams and takes them. So there's no rhyme or reason to any of these abductions and everybody's experience is so unique. Absolutely. Next would be close encounters of the fifth kind. Which is CE5, which some people were asking me about. Yes, I think it's very well known, just CE5. I don't think people understand. It's close encounters of the fifth kind. I think Dr. Stephen Greer coined this term, definitely, and it's taken off from there. What it comes down to is a human-initiated contact. It's meant for purposes of being peaceful and putting out there that we come in peace type of thing. There's a series of protocols that you can use. It's really just utilizing consciousness and it's understanding that consciousness is non-local and you can have a connection simultaneously with anything else in the entire galaxy. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because like when I think CE5, the literally the first thing that comes to my mind is meditating. Mm. Right? And so I think about it in that sense that I don't even think whenever I hear CE5, I even think in my brain for a second, close encounters of the fifth kind. It's just I hear CE5 and immediately I'm like, oh, that means you're going to meditate and try to bring some aliens down. I mean, yeah, I guess it is. But what it means is because of that, you've had a close encounter of the fifth of kind. the kind that you have invited. It's now, not that someone's woken you up in your bed and is like, it's time to go. Or you're driving down the road and then you just see something. It's your willing. You are stepping out and you're calling. You're making the steps to have this type of contact. Now, what are some of these protocols? Can you go over them just kind of quickly? The biggest one that you mentioned was meditation. Meditating. And the reason for that is because you're quieting down your the analytical mind, the conscious mind that's always talking, that's trying to figure everything out, all of the, the garbage in your head. And you're trying to read a, reach a state where it's just pure awareness. And then you can focus. I know for Stephen Greer, he teaches that first you can focus on where you are physically and then focus on zooming out of that. Mm -hmm. So for us, we would be, when we're in that state and we're really calm, we would envision that we're here in the studio. And then we would- All of a sudden we're floating above the studio. Yes. And then a little time later, we're floating up above the roof. But it's not our body. It's envisioning what it looks like, like Mm -hmm. you're zooming out. So then you see the house, you go above the house, you can see the trees, you can see the pool here at the house, you see the neighborhood, you go all the way up, you see all of Morgan Hill, you keep going, you see California. You're trying to get a visual for exactly where you are because you're going to keep zooming out till you see the earth. You know, you keep going because what you're doing is you're projecting a mental image of where you are. Outward. Yes. 
because this is how you can make this type of contact for anyone out there who's tuning into this frequency to even get a visual of where you are. And we've been to one of Stephen Greer's meditating CE5s. And I believe we've talked about it more than once on the podcast. We have. Yes, because we talked about your sleeping. My sleeping, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what we talked about. That's probably what we talked about. Because it is hard. Meditation takes practice. Mm -hmm. It definitely does. It takes experience. But you can also go out there just with a pure intent and try to really just hone in on where you are and put that out there. And you can just do some sky watches. It's just about vibes, I think, that people people don't understand. It's literally sometimes as simple as that. It's just about the vibes that you're putting out. He has a really good app called ET Contact, and mm-hmm. that has what to look for. So, you know, all the different types of crafts, understanding how they blip in and out of our space time. Nice meditation music for you. Meditations. There's also tones. They've mm-hmm. picked up different frequencies that they've been able to detect when they're in big CE5s where they've brought something down that's just like incredible. They're able to pick up these tones and then continuing them to bring that contact back, if that makes any sense. And if you go to Stephen Greer's website, he has one for sure really good video. And I think you know the one I'm talking about where they're like on like a beach. I that think. was a beach in Florida. Yeah, the beach in Florida. It is, he's having a C5 with some people. It doesn't seem like there's too many people there. It seems like a nice handful. And they have the sighting on camera. And it is astonishing to watch because it's not like anything you've ever seen before. There's no way to explain it. I've never heard anybody, you know, in the science field be like, oh, you know, this is a uh, meteorite that was, you know, <laughs> trapped in our atmosphere and didn't go anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, no one has ever. To me, I've never seen anyone to disprove that video. And it's something that I think everyone should see. We'll definitely link it down in the show notes Mm -hmm. so you guys can check it out because, don't get me wrong, not every one of his videos that he has on there, I'm like, oh my God, this is it. You know, some of them, he has like some night vision ones where you're like, oh, that looks like a white thing in the sky. But this one, it's like, it seems like it's almost like right at sunset. So the sun is still out and it's just like, you see it so clearly. What I like about Stephen Greer is he goes into how this works, the science behind it. I think it's important for people to understand that So then when you get into the more spiritual side, you're understanding what you're doing. People use the term spirituality for this like, ooh, we're in the air, but really there can be a science behind it. It's really just understanding that we're all from the cosmos and you can connect with all of it. Well, I think when people think spirituality, they think that that has to mean that it's like some invisible quote unquote God that's up there that you're following. which is not. When like, I know people who are very spiritual, but they're very science-based or people, you know, people who are very based in fact. Spirituality is something with inside of yourself and the universe and not, you know, some thing, deity that's out there. You know what I mean? You could be spiritual in any sense. You know, you could be spiritual about chicken nuggets if you fucking want to. That sounds delicious. I know it really does. (laughs) Burger King, they're like $1.49 for 10 nuggets. That shit is bomb. Wow. Sponsor us, Burger King. Wow. (laughs) I also like that Stephen Greer has different... He has a lot of different gadgets and equipment that he uses. He does. And that's very cool because we saw that when we were out there. There was like, you know, he had all... I I can't even explain all the things. I think they're electromagnetic detectors. Um, For some reason, I'm blanking on the word. Yeah, there's a few different things that he uses. It's funny because they were up and it's like... We would be meditating out there, and then all of a sudden this thing would go off, and he's like, okay, wait, everyone look up. Like, we have something, you know, something in the air has shifted. You know what I mean? Right. And so it's like, okay, what's going on? Do we do we see anything? What's going on? So he has some definitely some cool tools that he uses. Yeah. And so that also makes it very interesting. Yeah, to be honest, that app is actually packed with shit for you to utilize. There's different tools that's on there. I mean, I honestly would suggest that for anyone that 
actually wants to be serious How about this. How much is that app? It's not expensive, right? It's like maybe no, it's 10 like bucks? A, no, it's less than that. Really? It's like, like a couple bucks. I feel like maybe it was like $5 at the Oh, most. see, that's, that's not... That's, and you have it for life. That's a coffee in the morning. Skip a coffee in the morning, guys, and go download this. And just, you know, especially for people who say to us, I've never seen anything. I want to have an experience. Well, here's a way for you to start. Just even, I think, by downloading that app, you're starting to put your intention out there. It means your business. Listen, I put my $5 down. I'm serious about this now. I double down on this. Exactly, yeah. And he really is just trying to empower other people to get in their own groups. You can link up with other people in your area. I believe online you can find other CE5 groups that are happening. It's really just something that you can practice on your own or you can join a group or make your own group with other people in your area where you guys are going to get together and drive in the middle of nowhere, bring your camping chairs, all sit out there and just try to focus on pure intent of making contact with other beings. It sounds like you're going to start like a CE5 boy band. You're like, get your buddies together. Let's go out into the desert and harmonize. (laughs) This Saturday, August 3rd, is that the day? Yes. This Saturday is a global CE5 event. So this will happen periodically. They'll send an email out and basically anyone that wants to participate that by themselves or with all of their CE5 groups is all going to go out and practice this from nine o'clock at night to midnight. Whatever time zone you're in, you're still hitting this sort of time frame, I guess. But Mm -hmm. it really is just so that there's more of a global unity. There's a global intent to do this all together. And that's really fun. I think people get really good results when they see it's not just them, but it's everyone around the world. You're kind of calling this out. And I know a lot of people are going to knock this and they're not going to get it and think it's all bullshit. But I challenge you to try to understand it and give it a shot. If it doesn't work or if you just don't buy it, that's just because you've closed yourself off. I would suggest that you actually look into it and really try to get into it because I will tell you it is not that hard to call in UFOs. No, and it, it's so funny to me because we I hear so many people who are like, I love aliens, but I've never seen anything. And it kind of baffles me a little bit. And I'm like, do you not just go outside and look up? Like ever? Like, do you not just look up and see shit? I think people think that like, oh, you if you're into UFOs and you've seen something, that means like you've been abducted and you have this crazy close encounter. And that's not always the case sometimes. No. Sometimes it's as simple as just seeing a weird orb in the sky or seeing something moving that shouldn't be moving, you know, in the way that it's moving. There's all these little facets to it. And I think it starts small and grows big. You know, I think my very first thing that I ever saw was like, you know, just something weird flying in the sky. And I looked at it and said, that's weird and continued about my day, you know, and then kind of grew more and more. And now as time goes on, you know, stuff is a lot more physical to me. I will say lately, I haven't really had any sightings personally, but we've also been so busy that I genuinely haven't taken the time to sit down and do that. So maybe that's something me and you can do on Saturday and just go outside. I have to paint the condo. And then afterwards, we can CE5 it. (laughs) Yeah. I I like it. I do too. And um, one of the tools for that CE5, you see people all around that are really into looking out for UFOs. They got their night vision. Mm -hmm. They got their lasers. Mm -hmm. You don't need the night vision, but it definitely helps when you think you see something and someone's like, oh, it's just a satellite. And you pull up your night visions and you're like, really? Take a look at this. And you know what I will say? If anything, the one tool you need is a laser pointer, especially if you're with other people. Because you want to show them exactly what you're looking at and you can't just point to the sky. It's so hard to get someone else to see where what you're seeing. So I say, if you have no money, lasers are cheap. You can get them super inexpensive. You can even get really powerful ones from China for like $10. Buy one. It is worth the investment. And especially if you're watching, even with just one other person, it's worth it to me. 
Yeah, just to say, look, it's over here. Mm-hmm. And also, I've done plenty of sky notches. Sky notches. <laughs> I've done plenty of sky watches where if you have a powerful enough laser there within that feet, the craft, you can blink at it a series of, you know, just pressing on your lasers and they will blink back exactly what you're There's even blinking. Your, your really, really great laser that you have. I believe there was even one instance where you were pointing it at something and you could literally see it reflect back. Yeah. Like it hit the side of the craft and you could see where like the laser turned and hit. Like, you know how that happens when it hits something? Mm-hmm. And I remember both of us like, uh, okay, yeah, no, there's definitely, you're not just pointing at blank space seeing something moving. Like there's obviously something close enough where it's like, it, it's you can see the laser on whatever surface it was. Yes, which is, it's pretty crazy. So there are simple things that you can use to do this. And I'm sure everyone's heard of East SETI Ranch with James Gilland. Which is like on my, the top of my fucking bucket yes. list. I, I want to, I want to go there so bad. It Me is too. something that is on our bucket list. I'm not 100% sure. They Do they, is it like a reservation? Is it an invite you only You can go. Thing? No, it's not. I don't believe it's invite only. It is something you could sign up for. I believe so, yes. So maybe we should look into that and that be our, our thing next year. You know Pretty what I mean? Pretty much like every researcher, every author. Everyone. Everyone you can think of. They've gone to the ranch and they all say this is the place. Mm-hmm. This place is supercharged. It's amazing. They manifest all different types of phenomena. I mean, they've captured so many different things. In my opinion, that is where some of the greatest footage and pictures come from is at East City. For those that are a believer, and really honestly, I don't really care if you don't believe it. If you watch it, there's you can't disprove it. There's no way to explain a lot of the stuff that they've that they've captured. But it is definitely a spot where because it is so focused on that, they have such great outcomes. And they do, of course, practice with meditations and I believe you need to be sober for a while. Yeah, there's no, no smoking. There's, there's no drinking there, on the property. Yeah, there's, you have to be 100% sober on the property. I remember him saying that at one of the last lectures we went to this year with him. And he was like, this is a drug and alcohol-free zone. And there's many reasons why he has those rules. And one of them is is because he wants you to see things sober so you understand that it's not just shit you're making up in your head or hallucinating. Right. And that you remember as well. Then we jump to the negative side, in my opinion, which would be a close encounter of the sixth kind, which is a death of either a human or an animal because of their alien close encounter. So you're talking about like maybe like cattle mutilations? That I can make sense of. But I don't... Human, yeah. I've never heard of that. I was going to say, do you have one human give being you one instance. who is like, even even if it was like their family was like, not, they were killed by an alien. They I don't ever think I've heard yeah, anything like that. I guess maybe abductions where people disappear, but like I don't know if I've ever heard about an actual death. The cattle mutilation thing and stuff makes sense to me, but I don't ever think I've personally heard of a... I'm surprised it's on the scale. The one and only reason I could think that was put on the scale is for maybe craft way back in the day when there was a lot of radiation poisoning, mm-hmm. when they came in close contact mm-hmm. with a or, craft. Or like the crashed... The crashed crafts that maybe the aliens died in it. That makes sense maybe a little bit. But see, then they're aliens dying, not humans humans. dying. Mm. So I don't really know. That's a weird one. But I would understand definitely with the cattle mutilation because Mm -hmm. that's been shown time and time again. Maybe if you witness the dead cattle. Yeah, there you go. Close oh, there you go. The there you go. You witness an alien murdering something. Okay. Yes. There you go. That makes sense. That Let's makes take sense. out the human part of it. We're going to go ahead and reject yeah, whoever said yeah. that. We're, we're making just, our own edits. Yeah, we're changing it. Sorry. 
Then we'll go to a close encounter of the seventh kind, which would be a hybrid being that was created with our human parts and alien parts together. So were we going back to that one episode where we talked about like aliens boinking people? Is it that kind of thing? I think it's either way. It could be really the test tube science experiment Mm -hmm. type where they've come and they've kind of taken your eggs and like drained some dude's sperm and then mixed it all up with some aliens and that's what it is. Or in other cases where people have had physical sex with aliens. Mm. Mm. So the close encounter of the seventh kind is more like uh, a procreation. In yes, some sort. but it's the actual outcome, the hybrid mm. person. So, like, some baby has to be formed. Mm-hmm. So, it's so weird when you say it like that because technically, I feel like a lot of these hybrids, and maybe I'm wrong, are not born here on Earth. I would say majority, but I did watch the recent Ancient Aliens episode, and the second I saw her face, I was like, that girl, I read her story, read her story, and I've watched a video about her. She believes that she is an actual hybrid, hybrid. being birthed here. Yes. So, because that's the weird thing about it, because technically if they're not born on Earth, they're an alien. Whether they're a hybrid or not, you're an alien. But if you're born here on Earth, then technically you're a human. It's the same thing when it comes to, like, countries. You could be Canadian and I could be Mexican. And if we had a baby in America, then it's an American baby. We wouldn't call that a hybrid Canadian-Mexican baby. You know what I mean? So there's weird semantics to that because I get what you mean by hybrid, half human, half alien. But then at the same time, I think, well, that really depends on where they're born because it seems like in our culture, that's what that means. Because an alien is, you know, the definition of the world is not of this earth, you know? Well, you could also, you know, there's all these instances of people seeing their hybrid children on ships Mm -hmm. and having dreams about them. Mm -hmm. So if you physically saw your hybrid child on a ship that's close encounter one two three four five six okay seven so can you no, tell me skip the six you're jumping yeah to we're seven. not yeah so out of the seven of them how many of these ce how many of these close encounters have you had i would say i personally have had all but six yeah i think so. like number six everything but number six no i don't think i've seen a hybrid you don't think you've seen a hybrid no oh i have i don't think so i have I think that would be really hard for me to believe even if I did. Really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I struggle with that part. The girl on the Ancient Aliens episode, she said that she was basically like this normal girl. And then all of a sudden, like, a reptilian entered her room. Mm. And she was, like, scared for a second. But then he put his hand on her and she shift, shape-shifted into... A reptilian? A reptilian. And she was like, oh, shit, you guys. She's like, I can do tricks. Exactly. (laughs) So, see, that is strange to me. Mm, I agree. I see. I personally, I think I've seen a hybrid personally. Not like in person here on Earth. Please tell me not those YouTube videos where they slow down and people's no, no, no. eyes no, flip the over. Shift no, no, no. I mean, I mean, not not here on Earth. I'm talking about spaceship wise. Oh. I think I've seen some spaceship wise. My spa- spaceship family. Really? Mm-hmm. For sure. Like I you also draw a picture. Yeah, absolutely. We should yeah. do that. Yeah, I could draw a picture. I'm a big believer that I have a spaceship family. And I don't mean a family like a husband and a wife and children, but I mean that, like, I think that I've been abducted my whole life with another group of people. I think you're one of them. Because I sometimes I get these weird things where, like, I'm out. No, we do all the time, and we're, like, we yeah. look familiar. I'm like, and then we'll this... joke, like, on the ship. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and we joke about it, but, you know, they say that thing about there's so much truth inside humor. But, like, sometimes I see someone, and the only thing, the only rational thing that makes sense to me is that's the only way, that's the only—because, you know, you know me and you. We're the type of people where we approach people. And maybe we won't flat out be like, do I know you? But we'll start to pick and prod and ask questions and be have like— Have you been here before? Have you been here before? <laughs> 
It's exactly what it is. Or like, you know, like, do you come around here often? Exactly. You know, or it's like, where are you from? And once you start asking those questions and I realize that there's no way, shape, or form that I ever could have met this person in this life on earth. So it's something else. It has to be something else. And whether that be maybe a past life thing or something, but we always joke, it's the spaceship family. It's the spaceship family. Yeah. I think that within the spaceship family, me being there, I have seen a hybrid, more than one, I believe. I think a lot of people argue that we're all hybrids. I think most people believe that our DNA has definitely been mixed. It's that second chromosome. And and that doesn't, and that, we're not talking about recently. I'm talking about like way back in time when Mm. like humans were really like, we're talking like, I think personally, what we're talking about is that missing link that we can't find anywhere between monkeys neanderthals and that what shift happened inside of there me personally that's where i think where our our hybrid starts you know maybe a little bit after i don't know but i think somewhere in those early stages is where something happened and there's a reason that we can't find that link you know what i mean i 100 percent agree Actually, that was on Ancient Aliens, too. Because, <laughs> did, you know, we just, did we just basically recap an Ancient Aliens episode? <laughs> because, you know, they're talking about reptilians, mm-hmm. which is why. And then they broke down, you know, the whole, like, reptilian brain thing in there. And then mm. George was talking about that whole missing link thing. And it makes perfect sense. I think it's always made perfect sense to a lot of people. And the more you dig into it, you're like, oh, God. You know what? It's the alien of the gap theory, the catchphrase that we coined here back in <laughs> 2000 and, I believe, 17, late 17, early 18, where it's like the god of the gap theories. What you cannot explain, you say is God. And in our instance, what we cannot explain, (laughs) we just chalk it up to aliens. Aliens. So there you guys go. That's a rundown. I'm sure you guys can look more into everything. Maybe do your own checklist. Have you guys experienced all these things? I hope for your sake you have not experienced number six like us. Mm -hmm. I think we're very lucky not to participate in that. And I wish more people would experience number seven. I wish that more people would experience number five. Oh, okay. The CE5. All right. I think you all should look into it. Give it a go. All right, guys. Let's get into our shout-outs. We have Anthony. Brandy. Destiny. J+. Who is at the Kurt Army on Instagram. Matt Tiller, at Tiller for Riller on YouTube. And we have Bobby from at Not For Everyone podcast. Rod. And Dylan. Who's new. Welcome, guys. Thank you so much. Scotty. Simon. Vanessa. AP. And last but not least, Jan from the Good, the Bad, and the Just Plain Standard podcast. If you guys want to get a hold of us, shoot us an email at that one time I was abducted at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at that one time I was abducted. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and all social media platforms. And make sure you guys check out our Patreon if you feel like giving us a dollar a month. Patreon.com slash that one time I was abducted by aliens. And then if you guys want, call into our hotline and leave us a message. You could tell us a story. You could just say what's up. You know, whatever's on your mind. Think of us as like your digital alien therapist hotline and just call us with your stories. And the phone number is 408-320-8481. Thank you to everyone. And we'll talk to you next week. We love you so much. And fuck you, Mountain View, California, especially after this weekend when we were camping. And if you don't know about it, I will be posting something, a little clip about that on YouTube soon. Thank you.